Welcome to Soundings Mindful Media Podcast. I'm Dudley Evanson, and for more than four decades, my husband Dean Evanson and I have created music and media that supports healing people and the planet. In our Soundings Podcasts, we share interviews with wisdom keepers we have met in the course of our life journey. To learn more about our activities and releases, please visit our website and blog at soundings.com. In this episode, Dean and I ponder how we've been able to have a happy marriage and run a successful business together all these years. We hope our conversation offers helpful clues for people looking to build lasting and loving relationships. So a lot of people ask us, how in the heck did we end up staying married for fifty over 50 years, and, and how can we oh my gosh, and we are also in business together, and how, how does that work? How, how could we possibly do that? We don't talk to each other. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Just stay in your closet, I'll stay in mine. Right. Okay, so there's number one, sense of humor. Keep a sense of humor and be sure to laugh at your husband or your partner's jokes, because yes. that makes him feel better. And actually, they are pretty funny. So say, keeping a, a light heart, mm-hmm. I think that's a good one. What are mm-hmm. some other things that that we've sort of naturally discovered that have helped our relationship? We respect each other. We listen to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, we have fun, and we have a lot in common, and we enjoy doing things together. I think, you know, that's kind of important, so that we have... A life that um, make if we each have our own different aspects of life, which we certainly do alone. But then we have a lot of things that we enjoy doing together. Mm-hmm. What are some things we enjoy doing together? Uh, gardening, playing music together. Um, we love going for walks in nature. We like going for hikes. Yeah. We talk about things too. Yeah. I think it's important to be able to communicate with each other mm-hmm. in a way that makes us feel comfortable. Yeah. And, and honest and compassionate in our communication. Yeah. We, I appreciate talking to you about things that. Um, I'm concerned about in the life or in the world and that you'll listen to me and respect me and try to help me understand or that kind of thing. I mean, just sometimes it's nice to, well, it's always nice to have somebody to talk things over with because it's a big, crazy world out there and it's important to be able to um, have someone to kind of commiserate with and also to help um, each other understand through our different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah, and we do have different perspectives, and that's to be respected. Perspectives. Perspectively speaking. But uh, as we talk with each other in authenticity, in truth, we get to know more about what's happening around us and that 
leaves the universe open for a lot of interaction. And we get that opportunity quite often, especially supporting each other. We love being in nature. We love letting the wind blow through our hair. What hair we have left. <laughs> hair, hair. We like being quiet together. I think that's important to just be able to be together and not have to talk or not have to do anything, you know. And we also tone together. I love, I love vocal toning. I'm really glad we discovered that. In fact, we've been doing that for many years, but vocal toning is something that um, can really enhance intimacy in a non-sexual way, but just in, helps us to be close to each other because our voices are merging and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. You want to do some toning? Sure. You're always game? Yeah. So the most important thing about toning, I think, is just to be aware of the breath, that you're really um, using the breath to um, push out the sound. And with toning, with vocal toning, uh, we just do vowel toning, simple vowel toning. If, it, if you've ever been in an om circle or done oming in yoga class or before dinner, prayer, blessing, uh, you know, you've, you've toned and that's, um, or if you've ever just let out a sigh, you know, just like, ah, mm. right? Or, mmm, ah. humming. Humming is another good way to do it. Mm. Let's just do an ah. Uh, I like ah tones yeah, because basic. it's your heart chakra. Want to do an ah uh tone? Yeah. Three? One, two, three. Okay. Ah. Ah. flute player. Dean has good lung capacity and good uh, vocal uh, toning control. That's yeah. great. That yeah. helps. You must be very high because you play the flute so much. That must make you, re make you really... Um... Yes, it definitely keeps me up there. <laughs> With the angels. Yeah. What else? Well, when we first met, we discovered we had a lot of common interests. We cared about, we had similar ideals mm. and values. I think that's important in a relationship. Um, yeah, and in the sharing of all that, you get to know each other. Right. When you're first getting to know somebody, uh, well, you don't know them, you know what they look like, you know, maybe you're sexually attracted to them and there's that aspect, but you don't know much about them. Maybe you know a few things, but as you spend time with 
um, a person on a date or just as a friend. In fact, I think one of the reasons our relationship has been so successful for so long is because we just were friends for a yeah. good while before yeah. we sort of got together because, you know, I had a boyfriend and Dean was just my friend. He was my neighbor across the hall. So we used to go ride the Staten Island Ferry and go to museums and go get a cup of coffee or somewhere, somewhere downtown and walk around the village. And I don't know, as you're out in the world together, you have conversations and you discover that you have similar concerns about the world, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think with our music and our media, we wanted to uh, use our our talents and our skills to to make things better. Yeah, make the world a better place for the benefit of others. As Jetson Pema, the Dalai Lama sister, said when we were in India videoing her. We do it for the benefit of others. And that's the philosophy of the Tibetans and the Dalai Lama. And it's really when we can think about uh, doing things for the benefit of others and not just ourselves. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, to recognize that the other is yourself on some levels. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there's, there's really no difference. Well, there's a little bit of difference, but well, on the physical. It appears different. A different appearance, that's true. So I, I think um, in our relationship, we're not competing with each other. Mm. Sometimes I think people want to be better or want to show their prowess or something, so they're competing. Uh, and that can really put, be, put a relationship in jeopardy when um, a couple individuals are, re are competing with each other to show off or be better. I'm better than you. Well, you are in many ways, that's for sure. <laughs> and that's the thing, is we're better in some ways and not in others. And so I think the other thing, um, uh, some people think of a relationship as two halves make a whole or something greater. I think it's important to know that we come as a whole person to, to, the, to the relationship, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're not, you, I don't need you to complete me and you don't need me to complete you. Yes. Yes, we're complete in ourselves, and we work on that. We work on our own self-development, so that's important yeah. as well. And what else? Um, you know, just mutually supporting each other. I think we said that before, but um, when someone is down or out or feeling sad or have some issue they're dealing with that we try to help our partner or support them in whatever way we can mm -hmm. um, without judgment, without criticizing. I know when I first was with you, it was a real comfort to me to not feel I, you were critical of me. You know, I was plenty critical of myself, but wow. you weren't critical of me and I, I wasn't critical of you. It was just, oh, getting to know a new person or yeah. This very interesting person. Hmm, there's a lot of depth here, you know. Yeah. But we came from very different backgrounds. Very different. My family's church church was the country club. <laughs> Your family's church, church was church. church. 
and they definitely uh, that was a different kind of world. Yeah, I, I lived in the church. You did practically. Well, your father was the choir director and yeah, treasurer and your mother sang in the choir and you played in the in the church choir and played your flute and probably sang also. Yeah, I sang and I played in the orchestra. So and I did solos in the services on Sunday morning. I had, uh, the music was very open to me, particularly through my father, mm -hmm. who loved music and he would uh, get records and show me sections of the record that, he had listen to this, listen to how he's, the composer is bringing out the bombastic ending to the piece. And so I, I got to learn how to listen to music that way. And my father was also very supportive. He helped me stay taking flutes, flute lessons, classical flute lessons for 10 years. And he, when I wanted to get a new flute, he said he'd split the costs with me. I thought that was awfully nice. And I got a Haynes flute, which is about $800 in those days, which is a lot of money. You've had that same flute since you were in, was it high school? Yeah. Wow. I love the stories of him driving you to the Bronx yeah. from Staten Island, Staten Island Ferry, driving up the West Side Highway, and and just you probably got into a lot of conversations. Yeah, we did. <clears throat> my teacher, my flute teacher, moved to the Bronx, and so my father volunteered to drive me up every Saturday to get lessons with my teacher. Oh, didn't he take a violin lesson also? Yes, he took violin. Mm -hmm. So, and we would listen to the opera going up the West Side Highway. Speaking of opera, remember when we used to sneak into the opera after the intermission at the um, Metropolitan Opera yeah. in New York? We saw a lot of the second half of many operas. <laughs> I love the um, the paintings, oh, the big murals um, that were there, and we mm. would sit up in the balcony. Nobody cared, you know. It was intermission. Everybody goes back in, and they're not checking your tickets. So we just got to see a lot of operas. Yeah, we didn't. Fun. We didn't bump anyone out. No, we took empty seats. It was okay. Yeah, we had a lot of adventures in New York. And we have a lot of adventures here where we live in the Pacific Northwest. And we discovered that um, when we used to ride our bicycles in New York City, uh, sometimes we'd get caught behind a bus or something and it was ugh, so smelly and mm -hmm. it was so intense. And we said, we need to get out of the city. We really, really do. And we did. Yeah. Moved upstate New York. We lived on 360 acres of um, farmland, a little cottage. It was probably one of the first tiny ho ho homes because it was 
a converted chicken coop and it was just one, one room, kitchen and a living room and a bedroom right there and then mm -hmm. could go outside and there were a couple little rooms downstairs. But um, we were in heaven. We loved being out in the nature and in the um, hanging out with the, the birds and the, there were some wild turkeys that one time we were sleeping in a little, we fell asleep in a little uh, place by the apple tree and then we woke up and there were wild turkeys around us. Mm. <laughs> but that was one of, oh, I love that place. We tend to live on, out in the country now. We still do. And we always have. Remember when we lived in Tucson on the mountain? Yeah. We lived there a couple of times. We lived in Santa Cruz, near the ocean. We lived in Tucson at the Marin edge of the desert, Valley. Marin, Marin County, yeah. up in the hills up there. And we just were always looking for how we could live close to nature. And now great teacher nature is. It is a blessing, blessing to be able to be in nature, and um, it's just something that we've always yearned for. Mm -hmm. I think that was another thing we had in common. We both wanted to live out in the country, and we wanted to be near nature, and we just had that yearning. Even from riding the Staten Island Ferry, it's kind of mm -hmm. like being in nature with the wind blowing. All those ferries. Yeah, there were a lot of cute little fairies there flying around, passing the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> so running a business together is um, another thing that I think has been an interesting process for us for yeah. the past 40 some years. Most people have enough trouble being in a relationship period, let alone trying to run a business together, but somehow we've managed to do that. Somehow we've opened up to that being a possibility. Well, we each bring different skills and talents to the equation, and you obviously had the music aspect of it, and I had the graphic sense and art yeah. and that kind of thing, plus I could write. So I realized that I had, uh, in college, I studied art history, and I also I learned to describe art. So then my job with Soundings of the Planet has been for over 40-some years is to describe the music and somehow make it different each time because <laughs> a lot of the albums you could say, well, they've got flute and harp and you know this and that with them, but then it's still something you want to help uh, the person understand what it is. So, And of course, I like, I think you've become a lot more social and um, much better at communicating. Uh, I'm a socialist. You're not a socialist, but you are a... Um, Social, more social person than I was uh, a while than, ago. Than you were before when I met That's you. That's true. I was very concentrated on my art and my school studies. Right. And my church, I was the treasurer of the youth group. Oh, your father was an accountant too. Yeah. And I remember, I remember finding some early. Um, Sort of book uh, account ledger that you had, you kept track of every cassette we sold at the swap meet, or you know you had list of what our expenses were. You were you still had that sort of accounting uh, background in you to, mm -hmm. to keep track of things, mm -hmm. and you did that over all the many years. You 
you know, unfortunately now we get to have someone help us with that, but you really did it at the beginning. You yes. kept track of things and you made sure we didn't overspend and you were very cons uh, frugal. And I got to experience the early spreadsheets. Ah, those spreadsheets. <laughs> and I was out there like calling stores and trying to get our get the word out and telling people about our our music and because it was a brand new thing at the time. Nobody had ever, very few people were making the kind of music that we made. So it was um, definitely uh, something that. You know, we had to um, learn to do and learn to reach out mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, we're still going strong and we'll continue working and playing together until it's no longer appropriate. <laughs> we have lots of future projects to do and God willing we'll do them. Well we're blessed to have many wonderful friends and fellow collaborators that we can work with and mm. in fact that's been I think one of the biggest blessings of our music over the years is the many wonderful musicians that we have collaborated with and continue to collaborate with so um, some record labels have what they call a stable of musicians selling a bunch of horses, but we have friends. We have friends, and they're still our friends. So um, Jonathan Kramer played cello on our very, very first album. So he's still working with us. He came. And we pay our artists. Oh, that's helpful, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's an odd thing, I know, but... <laughs> I remember when Tom Barabbas told us how he bought his um, grand piano and he had, uh, at the time we were selling a lot of uh, CDs through Natural Wonders and doing quite well before the dip and then the gradual up, but you know, we'd, get, we'd given him a huge a royalty and he went out and bought this incredible grand piano with a check from one of our royalty payments. So I guess um, there was some definite benefit to the artists that we worked with mm -hmm. over the years and we just and loved them. they worked with us too. They didn't pressure us when we sometimes didn't have the cash flow to share it. But eventually we did. We got well, to share everything and give bonuses. And we gave and we gave our um, artist, well we actually paid them, but we also um, during the downtimes when we were really struggling and we had uh, two or three different distributors go bankrupt on us. Remember that? Yeah. That was pretty intense. That was very intense. It was a lot of pressure, a lot of stress on our whole system. We had to, we had a large staff at the time and had to let some people go. In fact, we eventually moved up to the Northwest from Arizona. And then one day, uh, we had a knock on the studio door and it was the IRS guy saying we owed, oh my gosh, I think it was like $80,000. And it was from a, just a tax that we hadn't been able to pay after 9-11 and everything had been going down and different uh, natural wonders had gone bankrupt. And um, so we, we were in huge debt and he looked at our finances and said, 
Uh, oh, well, you, you ought to declare bankruptcy. <laughs> well, then you won't have to pay your IRS tax. But we wanted to pay our artists, and we wanted it to succeed, and it has. We're very thankful for that. So we worked out a payment plan, and uh, we paid it off, and and then um, after years and years of struggle, um, uh, the system of distribution of music changed, and so now you can listen to Dean Evanson anywhere on any streaming service, Dudley Evanson. Um, find us um, wherever you listen to music, because um, even though we get a quarter of a half of a penny or whatever tiny little portion it is of every play, when uh, a couple years ago on Pandora you had a, over a billion plays, and it's just like billions and billions of streams, and so um, for musicians like ourselves, we're very, very fortunate. now. We have a great compassion for our many dear friends who are performing artists who like to go out and uh, do gigs and things, and it's been a really, really hard time for them. And so we're just hoping that everyone can kind of stay the course and um, do the best they can. Maybe don't quit your day job. Hopefully you have a day job. Um, but keep playing music because um, it's just really important to uh, continue with your self-expression. Mm -hmm. and your love of music, right? Yeah. Which is why we started the Peace for Music Foundation. Right. What do you think that's going to be good for? Peace through music mm -hmm. is an, a foundation that encourages the use of music for a vehicle for peace. And it supports any kind of functioning using music that way. And so we look forward to connecting with the various artists around the planet who are working on peace and cooperation and loving each other and appreciating each other. So they're taking their skills and talents and um, sharing their music with um, with others in a way that contributes to their well-being. Um, I was just recently with my, my dear friend from many years. She's approaching 90 and has uh, extreme dementia. But um, when I saw her recently, I pulled out her drum and she's got really good rhythm. And so I had a little uh, kind of other kind of shaker thing and she was playing the drum and it just completely shifted her energy and uh, thinking in terms of the people in her um, assisted living where she lives and how much those people would appreciate uh, musicians to be able to go by and just play music. Say you, gotta, you need to rehearse your music, go play for elderly, go play for the children. As things open up and as people get vaccinated and um, are feeling more, uh, safer, um, it's really uh, uh, an opportunity for musicians, maybe they're not uh, performing for, for uh, gigs as much anymore, but gee, if they wanted to go and um, play for an elderly home or uh, um, if want to volunteer for uh, young people in prison or uh, prisoners in general, um, Johnny Cash sure did that, and that was a, an awesome thing. So just thinking of uh, public ways that people can express themselves and offer their music uh, for the benefit of others, for the benefit of the 
the planet um, and for the society. I mean, musicians have always offered their services to, to do benefit concerts, mm. to raise money, to save the rainforest, or, or to, to, to contribute to whatever cause is, is needed. So there are a lot of ways. So peacethroughmusic.foundation is our website um, for this new Peace Through Music Foundation that we have just recently launched. And we're looking forward to networking with a lot of wonderful musicians or people who use music or even just listen to music and appreciate it in any way. And of course, um, we have so many things going on, lots of video channels on YouTube, Soundings of the Planet, Soundings Mindful Media, and Dean and Dudley Living Dreams. And then of course, um, all social media, you can find us anywhere, but the one source is soundings.com. That's our main website. So if you can't remember anything else, soundings.com will get you to where we are and listen to our podcasts and read our blog and watch our videos. And we have a good old time. We like having a good old time. Sing and dance and sing. Sing when you're feeling blue. It'll make you happy. So yeah, that's what we're working on. We Thanks. You get to do it too. Blessings and love. And may all be happy and peaceful and healthy and, um, you know, take care of each other. Mm. That's what we get to do now. Amen. Amen. Honey. And women. Hey, women. <laughs>